So hey, Storm Freaks, uh, it's Phil. A lot of lot of chit chat there going on during our countdown. MJ got <laughs> mad at us because we were we were talking during the video. But hey, we've been surrounded by solar storms lately, and so we've we've got a great show coming up. We brought in the Aurora Man himself, uh, Vincent Ledvina is going to be with us to explain it all. We're also going to be playing some WXAI Mad Libs, and of course, sharing our hashtag Weather Fools. All coming up on Stormfront Freaks Live! <laughs> Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got it, boss. So welcome to the most entertaining weather show. This is Stormfront Freaks Live. Uh, and it's brought to you by the AMS Weather Band, so you can connect with weather enthusiasts all over the world, as well as 10,000-plus members of the American Meteorological Society. You can get full membership for just $12 a year by going to amsweatherband.org, just like I did. I just signed up this week. Uh, I don't know how long that $12 is going on, but uh, it's a great, great, great deal. So, um, also want to thank all of our Patreon members, uh, all of our teammates scrolling across the bottom there, Dan, Tim, Joe, Steve, Garrett, Josh, Angela, I'm going to say them all, Jenny, uh, Jeannie, Jamie, Al, <laughs> Lauren, I'm going up a little bit, uh, Lauren, Alec, Stacy, Jeremy, uh, Grant, Liam, Chris, great, great last name, uh, Jennifer, and Steve, and and also want to mention too uh, about our Patreon members. Big shout out to Grant. He upped his membership to our EF five tier with exclusive Stormfront Freaks merch. So the key is you can join our team as well. We got a great bunch of folks and teammates with us. You can get access to our exclusive Facebook group. We've got over fifty of our past guests on there. We're going to be inviting Vincent onto that as well. Plus, we have a number of tiers that include some exclusive merchandise. Like I mentioned, Grant is in. Uh, so you can help support our show for just as little as $5 a month. You can help us out and be a part of our team. So get more details at stormfrontfreaks.com. So if this happens to be your first time, uh, you're in for a ride. If you're returning, you know it's always happy hour every time we record the show. And it's a great way to introduce the co-hosts that are with us tonight also let you know uh, we like to have a little fun on this uh, weather podcast. So I'm going to go around the horn and see who we got here tonight. Uh, Jen Watson, our on-camera meteorologist at the Weather Channel. Jen, welcome, and what are you drinking? I'm here. I'm so excited. I'm going to disappoint you guys, and I, I don't want to, but I was just actually at a Christmas party prior to this recording. I did have a vodka drink, but it's been a really long day, so I have some warm hot cocoa. Oh, good <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> Glass, look at how freaking huge that mug is. It's, but you know what? It's, it's got a really like, cute saying on it. It says, It's official, you're awesome. And this is for <laughs> Vincent, our guest. It's for you. Do we have Stormfront <laughs> Freaks catheters? Do we have catheters? Yeah, oh, jeez. That's next. Next on the list. All right, uh, Mark Maz Massaro, our former on camera meteorologist, Maz. Uh, not because I drank a lot. Colorful. <laughs> yeah. Can, what is that? Okay. Our, our, oh, disappears. RG Bevs, Rheingeist Bevs. It's a it's a Wowie Colada. Uh, I had to hurry and get something from the fridge. I forgot. And it tastes better than it smells. I'm just saying that. 
Okay. A wowie colada? Is that a like a canned pina colada? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And in your fridge <laughs> since the summer. Maybe that's why it doesn't smell like, so good. Maybe that, yeah. Is there an expiration date on Does it yeah, taste there is. okay? <laughs> but I'm, it tastes I'm glad. good. Tastes good. good. That's all like, that matters. <laughs> that's all that matters. All right, Dina Knightley, our meteorologist and weather producer at weather.com. Dina, what are you drinking? I have a Mike's Hard Lemonade Black Cherry. Wow. That's so yummy. Those are yummy. I like it, Dina. Yeah, they're good. Sounds delicious. You just drinking one tonight, or is this a two night hard lemonade? Well, night? I mean, I just got off work. I'm enjoying it, and <laughs> if I need another, I'll get another. All right. <laughs> well, we got uh, MJ's in the back running the show as always. Uh, he's back in the green room with our VIPs. Uh, all three, Dan, Angela, Garrett, are all here tonight, so it's awesome uh, to have those folks here too. So we got a, a full full group. A couple things I want to cover before we get to our guest. Uh, A lot of you might be familiar that we hosted a a telethon recently. So this was really kind of, as far as I know, the first uh, ever weather podcast that kind of collaborated, got together, and we did a 12-hour disaster relief telethon supporting the American Red Cross uh, disaster relief efforts. And so we got together with Carolina Weather Group, Chaser Chat, Weather Brains. Those were the other uh, podcasts we got together with. And we've raised so far almost $8,000 for that. So um, thank you to, to everybody that was support. I want to thank all of our co-hosts that uh, joined us throughout the day as well. Uh, so Maz and Dina and Jen, thank you. And the rest of you that aren't on tonight, thanks for being part of that. It was cool to see Kim Cunningham, uh, yeah, our former co-host. Had a little reunion episode uh, with her as well. So that was fun. But uh, if yeah. if you want to check this out, it, it's a two-part uh, video. You can go to stormfrontfreaks.com, or I'm sorry, go to youtube.com slash stormfrontfreaks and go to the live videos. You'll find part one and part two. Uh, guests included Reed Timmer, Ginger Z, Jim Cantori, Josh Morgan, Mike Bettis, over 20 others. Uh, it was really an epic day of guests and uh, that QR code and that link to be able to donate is still active. So you can still check it out. And if you hadn't had a chance to do so, and you can, uh, we appreciate the, the donations to help. Phil, Phil, was that your idea? Cause it was brilliant. It was, uh, it, it, it was, was. It, you know, that it's where the idea kind of started, but believe me, it was not, uh, that was a team effort putting that whole thing on. Because an idea is only, you know, it's a great idea, but if you can't put out a 12-hour telethon yeah. by yourself, uh, you know, it's only so good. But but it no really potty breaks. It, it was a no great potty breaks. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> hey, and then the other thing I want to cover, too, is our, so this is episode 198, and we've got our 200th episode is coming up here in less than a month. Uh, if you if you're not aware, then shame on us for not, uh, I guess, letting you know about that. Uh, but it is coming up Thursday, January 4th. We're going to be live our normal time, nine o'clock Eastern, eight o'clock Central. Uh, but we're going to be live from the Mount Washington Observatory, home home <laughs> yeah. of the worst weather in the world. <laughs> so so we are going to be up at the summit broadcasting the show live. We're going to have Reed Timmer is going to be live with us as well, joining us up there. Um, We're also meeting Fox Weather's Janice Dean. Uh, She's going to be coming down the same day that we get up there. So we're going to have a chance to uh, chat with her, uh, be able to probably edit that into the audio podcast uh, that we we release on that. So it's going to be an unbelievable live event. So I just want to make sure 
you get that on your calendar. There's going to be lots of surprises and giveaways we're going to talk about as well. So Thursday, January 4th, yes. uh, mark your calendar. Man, if you don't Oh, like baby, cold. it's marked. <laughs> <laughs> so I cold. can't wait. Mess, mess. Yeah, it, I, I'm not a fan of cold weather, So, but it's a, it's a night. It's a sleepover it's a one, one and done. I'll be, it'll be good. We're gonna have- we'll get you into a hot tub later. Oh, yeah. We'll do that in the next hotel. All right, Matt. Hey, I'm going to turn it over to you. Let's get to our guest we've been waiting on tonight. Awesome, awesome. Hey, we have like the smartest guy in the world with us. We're going to make us all look like dire, dire. It's Vincent Ladina. <laughs> he is a space physics PhD. That's all I have to say right there. We're all like, okay, there you go. He's a student at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. He's been an Aurora chaser, which is fascinating. And a photographer since the age of 16, growing up in Minnesota. Oh yeah. And Vincent (laughs) is a great communicator with multiple educational resources on Aurora chasing and photography on his website, the AuroraGuy.com. And Vincent, You've seen Twister. You know the part where they say, we got cows, and people people don't know what kind of cow that is, right? So when you talk about Aurora, there's more than one type of Aurora? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots what, of different types. What are we types. talking? Like what? Well, people, okay, so this is kind of a funny tangent, but um, I have a habit, I guess, of naming Auroras after foods. So I have I just like, like affectionately called this spirally type of Aurora, a cinnamon roll Aurora. And then there's <laughs> this, <laughs> and then there's this other type of Aurora, which is, um, this was just recently, like last week, it's like this green band with this red fringe on the bottom. And I like to call that a watermelon Aurora. So, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of different types of Auroras out there. It's not just a glow in the sky. It can be pretty dynamic. Are, are you putting those in your paper? Are those names? Yeah. Like, are those yeah. in your PhD <laughs> papers you're writing? Watermelon Aurora. Yeah, those those are going to have to make it in. Yeah. Good. So, so did you see your first Aurora in Minnesota? Is that how it all started? Yeah. How did this whole thing start? Yeah, I mean, it really started. I want to say back in 2003. So there was a hot. There was this really famous solar storm called the Halloween storm, October 31st, 2003. So I was trick or treating. I was four years old. Um, oh. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, there were some really amazing auroras. And I actually remember seeing those in the sky. And I grew up in just a suburb in the Twin Cities. And I didn't realize it was Aurora until I was 16 years old when I started getting into photography a lot more. I was in Boy Scouts. Um, so I did camping a lot um, outdoors with my dad. And I didn't see a whole lot of auroras when I was out there because it's very, you have to be in the right place at the right time, but just always have had a love for the outdoors uh, science. And I got into photography. My dad was a photographer when he was in college. So he gave me one of his old cameras. I just started taking photos on family uh, trips and things like that. And then I eventually got into astrophotography because I've always been into the stars and astronomy and then kind of found auroras as like this, you know, ultimate chase, right? Like, you don't see auroras all the time, so it's a challenge. It's not like the Milky Way where you can go out and see it every single night. I wanted something that was kind of unique and that I could work towards. Um, so, yeah, I got into space weather just as an enthusiast when I was in high school, and uh, it eventually turned into my career. So, Vincent, that is such an amazing story. I do have to ask you, though, when you were four years old, 2003, what did you go as for Halloween? 
Oh my God. That's a great question. I think if I remember correctly, I think I was like a firefighter or something, just a very like textbook, textbook sort of like toddler age costume. But yeah. I think one year I was a ghost too, just very generic, but yeah. It's simple, but it does the job. So I love it. Um, for, so we, you know, focus a lot on like weather, tornadoes, hurricanes, all of that. And our mm-hmm. viewers or our listeners may not know exactly what an Aurora Borealis is or how it's created. So can you kind mm-hmm. of like do a little simplified definition for us? Oh yeah, definitely. So an Aurora is kind of like this upper atmosphere light show. So um, it's light, it's not clouds, it's not condensation, and it's formed um, by the interaction of charged particles, so plasma, that come from outer space, actually within Earth's own magnetic field. And when these uh, particles are streaming down through the atmosphere, eventually our atmosphere gets thick enough where they start running into gases in our own atmosphere. And these charged particles from, from outer space collide with the gas particles, and there's a process called ionization, which takes place, which um, you don't need to necessarily worry about what that is, but uh, it releases a photon of light. And depending on what gas is being ionized by these charged particles, um, that's how we get the different colors. So there's green and there's red, which are caused by oxygen um, at different altitudes. And then there's uh, the pink, which I was mentioning in the watermelon aurora, which is caused by nitrogen. And uh, the auroras happen all the time somewhere in the world, every single night. And it uh, happens in what's called an auroral oval. So there's two, one at the North uh, Pole and one at the South Pole around the geomagnetic poles. So not the geographic poles. And in these auroral ovals, you have auroras every single night. Oh, that's so amazing. Have you been up to like visit one of those? Have you been in one of the ovals? Yeah, I mean, I, right now I'm living in Fairbanks, so I'm like literally right underneath the <laughs> right amazing. right underneath the oval right now. So yeah. So can you basically yeah. see one every single night, like yeah. when you step outside? Wow. Oh yeah. I'm jealous. So I'm amazed. These come. These start off from CMEs that the um, the uh, coronal mass ejections. But if you if you're kind of even tracking these, which you can on the internet, like how long? Would you like, say you want to be like me or Jen, and we want to go see one. Mm -hmm. We know that there's been a big CMA, CME, it's on their way to earth. How long does that take to get here? So we can kind of plan, is it real quick? Yeah. Or No, it's actually, it takes days. So I think the fastest CME that was ever recorded was, it might be either the Carrington event, which you might, may have heard of, that was in 1859, or there was this event called the Bastille Day event. Either way, it was about seventeen to twenty-four hours. So that's as fast mm. as they that's oh, as fast wow. as they come. But usually, it's around two to four days. I would say so. You have so some we time. can book that ticket. We yeah. can book that if ticket. You, if you Tina want, and yeah. we get right up there. Yeah, some <laughs> hey, people Vincent. are pretty. Some people are pretty extreme. Like there were a few people with this last solar storm that literally booked their tickets up to Fairbanks when they saw the predictions. So, oh. so, so Vincent, like uh, Will Ferrell uh, asked in Elf, <laughs> what's your favorite color? Green. <laughs> it's a little cliche. Really? <laughs> yeah, green, green or red. I would probably say green, though. I mean, it's cliche, weird. but I, I, I never like remember the gases. But you said oxygen, right? It has to be yes. oxygen. Yeah, exactly. I can never yeah. remember which gas makes which color. Yeah. So, Vincent, are there seasons like that you can chase auroras where it's like more likely to see some? You know, between November, December, January. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So it's 
kind of it's kind of a tricky question because up here in Alaska, we only have night for roughly half the year. So from the beginning of September until the end of April, it's actually dark enough to see auroras. The other parts of the year, you cannot see auroras. But the auroras are happening all the time, even without CMEs. Somewhere in the auroral oval, there's an aurora going on. So, you know, as long as it's dark and it's clear outside, you can see the aurora. It's just a matter of it being dark. So in the summer, there's no auroras in the Arctic at all. So our aurora season uh, starts at the beginning of September and ends till the end of, you know, around the end of April. But if you live like in Minnesota, for example, North Dakota, any of those northern tier states or southern Canada, you don't get a midnight sun. So you can see auroras all year long. And then what's really cool is in September and March, there's this special phenomenon. It's called the Russell McFerrin effect. Won't necessarily get into it, but um, the auroras are stronger around the equinoxes. So March and September are the two strongest months for auroras. And then um, what's really cool too is around the end of August and around the beginning of May, end of April, the sun is low enough below the horizon where it actually can light up the tops of aurora uh, here at uh, here at high latitudes and you get blue. So the blue auroras are super rare and that's uh, nitrogen being ionized by sunlight. So you can only really get that um, during the shoulder seasons. So yeah, or the shoulder months of the season. You've seen that? You've seen the blue? Yeah, 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 okay. I've seen the blue. Is there yeah. anything you favorite. haven't seen? <laughs> is there anything I haven't seen? You know what's yeah. uh I have not seen okay, so there's a special type of aurora called cusp aurora, and it only happens during the daytime, which sounds weird, right? Auroras mm-hmm. during the daytime, but there's certain areas on earth that have polar night. So on the solstice or near the solstice, the sun never rises. Well, there's auroras on the day side of Earth. So when it's dark in those areas during the daytime, you can actually get these special types of aurora called cusp aurora. And really the only place you can see that in the entire world is Svalbard. So I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've never been to Svalbard, but that's one place where you can see cusp aurora. Is, oh is that a, on your bucket list? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Svalbard's oh. on my bucket list. Oh yeah. Hey, so, so you mentioned the Carrington event back in the 1800s. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm sure we have at least a few preppers out there who may be listening. <laughs> um, so, you know, that was a massive event and I can't remember. Was yeah. that the late 1800s? Is that what you said? 1859, okay. I believe. If, yeah. Okay, so did they even right. have telegraph back then? I'm not a history buff, so I can't remember exactly. They did, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So there was parking and all kind yeah, all kinds of problems. So if we have an event, what kind of an event would cause the blackouts that could come? You know, everyone's like, oh, EMP yeah. is gonna do it, but it could be it could be a coronal mass ejection, right? Right. Yeah. So the CMEs, coronal mass ejections, create the most severe types of space weather. So the Carrington event, which was in 1859, just for some backstory in case people don't know, it was it's one of the strongest geomagnetic storms ever recorded. It might it might not be the strongest in every respect, but um, auroras were seen as far south as Cuba, for example. Um, wow. You know, st- yeah. Yeah. There's there's stories of miners in Colorado. Uh, getting up at 2 a.m. because they thought the sun was rising, but it was actually the aurora that was so bright. Um, (laughs) And then there was so much much energy in the atmosphere um, that telegraph operators were able to unplug their machines and actually use them without any power being connected because there was so much energy just in the atmosphere and in the ground. It was able to power their telegraph systems. And then a lot of stations burned down because there was so much power in the wires that it would spark the telegraph operators in the really thin telegraph paper and it would catch on fire. So actually a number of stations burned down. 
Um, but if that were to happen today, you know, it's hard to say because the Carrington event is just a, it's just a class of event. It's not like, you know, space weather can it just stops at the Carrington event. I mean, I mean it could get worse than the Carrington event. Um, that's just kind of the worst that we've ever seen. But there's evidence that we've had even more powerful solar storms um, thousands of years ago. So it's really hard to say what would happen, you know, in the modern day if one of those CMEs were to hit Earth. But luckily, there's a lot of research and, I mean, there's dedicated organizations set up to monitor space weather 24-7, like NOAA, the, the, the Space Weather Prediction Center, uh, FEMA is connected to all that, um, the Air Force, uh, NASA, all these different government agencies. So, you know, I like to take the optimist approach uh, in the fact that, you know, if we had a Carrington class event, we wouldn't all die, so to speak. And I don't even think there would be, you know, worldwide blackouts, but there would definitely be some effects. So it's not anything to worry about, you know, up late at night, you know, keeping <laughs> you from sleeping. But, you know, it is it is in the back of every forecaster's mind is like, what if one of these happened today? Because we haven't seen one in almost 200 years. So which is yeah. wild. Did the government did the government tell you to say that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have I have someone in the corner right now just watching me. <laughs> we see a shadow. <laughs> yeah. Vincent, how common are is like an event like the Carrington event? Because we have generational tornado outbreaks which occur every like 35 to 40 years, but it, is it every two, three hundred years, or is there really not a range for that? Yeah, that's a great question. So um depends on who you ask because we haven't actually seen a Carrington you know, event in a while. So uh, we can only estimate, right? So these CMEs come off the sun in all sorts of directions. So we can see a really big CME come off the sun and we can say, oh, that looks like a Carrington class event because it might yeah. look really, really powerful. But if we don't have any satellites there to, to measure it when it hits, we don't actually know what it, what it would have done uh, if it were to hit Earth. But I believe if you read the literature, there's a couple, there were a couple CMEs last solar cycle. So I think there was one in 2012 and then maybe one in 2017, maybe even one in 2015 that were dubbed Carrington class uh, CME. So, oh, wow. you know, there's probably one per solar cycle. So one every 10 years, it's just a matter of if sort of the, the sun is loading its gun and if that gun is aimed at earth or not. So um, yeah, these things are pretty common. Wow. Cause we're at the, 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 we're at the, uh, like high range of that solar yeah. cycle now. Right. Yeah. And yeah. how long is that going to last? So, you know, maybe this next few months we could expect more. Cause I, I have oh, seen a lot of headlines. The next couple of years. Okay. Next couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, so a big misconception is that this solar maximum is like a, is like one point, but in reality, it's sort of a high season and a low season is kind of how I like to put it. Um, so we're in the high season right now and that we've been in the high season for almost the past year and we'll be in the high season for the next couple of years. So it'll be, hey. it'll be really good for auroras. And actually what's interesting is aurora, um, the peak sort of aurora season within the solar cycle is actually towards the declining phase of the solar cycle. So actually we might really? not have even seen the peak of it yet. Yeah. So, um, there's a lot of good years left to come. So, so we so have time to book note. our tickets. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, yeah, you have lots of time. And I, yeah. you know, I think, Dina, on that note, how do you forecast these? Like, what what resources are you using, Vincent, to determine, uh, well, hey, we're going to have a good one here in the next 48 hours? Yeah. Or what, what are you looking at to kind of forecast and help you out with that? Yeah, um, forecasting, I mean, you know, there's people with PhDs that do all that stuff. But I like <laughs> to just sort of take the – Take the most basic approach, which is 
Um, you know, I get a lot of my sort of heads up by following people on Twitter. Uh, so, you know, there's people who are watching the sun all the time who will say, oh, there was a giant solar flare that just happened. Um, or even like Space Weather Live is an app, which you can download and then it'll notify you if solar flares are going on. And mm -hmm. a flare, this is an important distinction. A solar flare is just kind of like a flash of light. It's like a paparazzi bulb goes off on the sun. And that does not mean that a CME has launched necessarily. It just means that there could be a CME with the flare. So a flare and a CME are two separate things. But oftentimes with a really strong solar flare, which are measured, there's a whole scale that goes from uh, A-class solar flares at the bottom to X, and it's a logarithmic scale. It's kind of like the Richter scale for earthquakes. Um, if you see like an M-class or an X-class flare, there's a good chance that there was a CME launched with that flare. And then the CME has to be directed towards Earth. And that's always the hard part is modeling the CME once it comes off the sun, because all we have are images. So you're trying to construct a 3D, um, you know, basically a 3D picture of this big explosion coming off the sun as it's going up through space. Well, that's not easy. And um, a lot of these models make simplifications. And, you know, it's just a whole, it's a whole can of worms. But basically, I look for solar flares, and then I see what the models are saying. So uh, the, the NOAA Space Weather Prediction Center puts out models, and so does the NASA uh, Coordinated Community, Community Modeling Center. They both release their own models, and it'll actually show you this sort of shock wave coming off the sun and going out into the solar system. And then from that, you can get when the CME is supposed to hit Earth. And then when you see that, then you can start, you know, booking your plane tickets or whatever, <laughs> um, you know, going up to Alaska, wherever, you know, whenever that CME is supposed to hit. I always say you look at the forecast time um, and you, you know, add 12 hours, subtract 12 hours, and you have a pretty good window of when it's supposed to arrive. And then once it does arrive, um, or once the time you know says it's supposed to arrive, then you can start checking uh, solar wind data and other things to see if you see a CME shock um, being detected by satellites. And then you can get into the whole aurora monitoring regime too. So it's like you have the sun, you have everything between the sun and the earth, and then you have the earth. And it's three sort of separate paradigms almost. So so does that is that why there's there's actually two questions here. I've seen mm -hmm. like on Twitter people talk about maybe there there was a CME, but now they're waiting on some kind yeah. of model to determine if it's gonna actually yeah. create something here. Okay, so that's they're basically waiting on a model output. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, then exactly the second, right. Second question is could it be something where it happens during the day? And so mm -hmm. you kind of miss out on really any benefit of that, because uh, it's it's happening for us during the day, yeah? Oh, yeah, that's happened so many times this season. I feel like Alaska's just been completely hosed, <laughs> and Europe <laughs> has gotten some amazing shows. I mean, just like the last CME, it hit during the day. And, um, yeah, here in Alaska, I mean, we got some good stuff, but nothing like they did in Europe. I feel like the last four or five CMEs, we've just been completely on the wrong side of the world for it. But, yeah, usually CMEs last between 12 and 24 hours, I want to say. So, and the, you know, the best aurora usually happens right after it hits too. So, you know, if it hits during the day, well, you're just holding your breath to make, you know, to see if it's going to last until the nighttime. Is, do, is do you have a possible, uh, hold, uh, One more question, Maz. Is it, <laughs> because the other, the other kind of tie on to that is it seems like people are like, like wait, they're, they're out there, they're out at night. It's supposed to hit, but yeah. nothing yet. It's a bust or it's not, a, oh, oh, finally came. 
how how yeah. close are these models getting to determining the time period that they're actually hitting? Yeah, so for the weaker CMEs, um, the ones that aren't as fast or dense, um, you know, those sometimes get caught up in just the solar wind and kind of it's it's like getting caught up in traffic. So those might not even mm -hmm. ever make it. Um, they might just be too slow or they just run into so much other things along the way that they just fall apart. But the really nice, well-defined CMEs, I, I think the current literature says something like plus or minus seven to 12 hours. Um, I think closer to the seven hour mark. But I mean, it's hard because you're trying to model this thing based on just one observation, which is us on Earth looking at the sun, you know, 93 million miles away. So it's really hard. I mean, the models are pretty extraordinary that they can even get anything out of that. So yeah, seven to 12 hours, roughly, uh, plus or minus on the arrival times. So do you guys have like a term? I have two questions. First one is, do you have a term like in weather, you know, storm chasers, when we miss it, it's a blue sky bust, right? Do you guys have a term when you're like, oh, crud, totally missed the, it didn't happen. We thought it was going to happen, but it didn't happen. Yeah. I don't know if we have like a, mm, I don't think there's like a necessarily a term. We just call it a bust usually, but okay. yeah, I don't know. There's, it's people call it all sorts of things like either a bust or, you know, complete miss or, um, People will say too, if like the CME is uh, is like going to kind of hit us, they'll say, oh, it's going to sideswipe us, or um, because CMEs are kind of shaped like croissants, you know. Um, people, <laughs> <I like laughs> that's that. actually kind of that's actually kind. Of, it's a food. I, I, it's a food one. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's another food. There you go. <laughs> I was actually at a conference. It was a space weather conference two weeks ago in uh, oh, France, fine. and I and and I made the joke that CMEs are just space croissants, and everybody. <laughs> you um, you should come up with a term and it will be yours you come up with it exactly. and we'll market it baby I'm okay okay no, so, my, so my second question is so you mentioned computer models and we, hey in the weather yeah. field we're all very familiar right. with the computer models we mm -hmm. how do they differ or what are your computer models based on and like what the heck how do you even forecast yeah. that okay well CME modeling um, is a whole, so I actually, so it's kind of cool because one of my internships when I was at University of North Dakota, where I went for undergrad, um, I did an internship at this small company in San Diego called Predictive Science, and they do CME modeling along with other things. So I actually have a paper on CME modeling. So I've, I've worked with models um, and Really what models use are um, these images called coronagraphs. And if you've never heard of a coronagraph, basically in outer space, there are satellites that have uh, what's called an occulting arm that sticks out from like the main bus of the satellite. And there's a little circle on the occulting arm that covers up the sun. It creates an artificial eclipse. And what that allows you to do is you get rid of the really bright light from the sun and you can see all the solar wind coming off of it. And you can see the little puffs of CMEs coming off the sun. And based on how big those puffs are, like for example, the, the uh, angular width of the CME, whether it's really narrow or really wide, how fast it's traveling away from the sun, you can get all those data together and then feed it into a model that then propagates it out into the solar system. So it's actually just taking raw data from images um, for the most part and using those raw data to feed then uh, into these, you know, fancy physics-based, um, sometimes just uh, what are called uh, hydrodynamic models. And then there's also magnetohydrodynamic models. 
feeding it all those data into physics models that then uh, propagate the CME out into space. So somebody really good in math. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, somebody, you know, somebody. I know. <laughs> we've always, always read that you know a strong CME could knock out our power grids and mm. like uh, I've heard it could even make your garage door go up and down. Like, have you seen any of this, or what's the craziest thing you've ever seen? Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, like anecdotes on, uh, Facebook. Like I think there was one coronal mass ejection that caused what's called a G2 storm. So G2 means KP six and KP goes from one to nine, nine is the most severe, um, which is a G five. And there was somebody on Facebook who works on, um, oil rigs in Saskatchewan. And they were saying that they had to actually shut down their entire operations because, the drills used on oil rigs have very precision GPS and the GPS signals get affected a lot by auroras. Um, so they had mm -hmm. to actually shut down all their operations. But I mean, there's power grid uh, warnings that go out to, you know, um, power grids all across North America when these big geomagnetic storms happen, um, especially uh, polar routes on uh, for uh, aircraft. If there's a really uh, severe CME with a big radiation storm, they actually might divert some of the planes uh, over the poles. Oh, that's um, interesting too. That's crazy. Yep. yep. And then, uh, yeah, for precision GPS, that's um, probably the most affected sort of industry uh, because those signals get scintillated um, by the aurora um, when they're trying to communicate through the satellites. If the aurora is in the way, it sort of makes the signal all shaky, kind of like staticky. Um, so if you're trying to do um, like uh, drone, uh, a lot of like drone operators find issues with piloting their drones underneath Aurora. Um, even like Google Maps could become really uh, weird. I've actually seen that happen a couple times oh. when I'm out Aurora chasing. My Google Maps will tell me I'm over here when I'm really over here. <laughs> and that actually, yeah, right. There's nothing there. <laughs> yeah, turn left into the mountain, like go off the side of the road. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's a lot of weird things that happen with uh, geomagnetic storms. The weirdest thing though is. I saw, I, I was forwarded a video by somebody on Facebook and they were right underneath some power lines and there was some really big aurora and you could actually hear the power lines like going Ooh, wow. with wow. the aurora. Yeah, it was That's really amazing. cool. So <clears throat> I'll tell you what, it, we, we're talking about amazing things. Um, <laughs> I, I mentioned this earlier, right? If you love Stormfront Freaks, there's a global community that's got thousands of weather enthusiasts that you're going to want to join. It's the American Meteorological Society's weather band. So uh, as I said, we talked about this. If you go to amsweatherband.org, you can connect with weather enthusiasts all over the world uh, that are probably involved in aurora chasing and forecasting as well. 10,000 plus members of the AMS are all involved in this as well. You can swap questions, data, stories with the researchers, broadcasters, storm chasers, and more that are all a part of this uh, association. Join interactive weather webinars, test your trivia knowledge. You can enter storm chasing photos in the weather band photo contest or attend the annual Jamposium. Doesn't that sound like, like fun? Jamposium. Yeah, <laughs> yeah baby. It does. It so awesome. weather band is a place to nurture and share your love of weather. You can get full membership, as I said, for just $12 a year. And I know that's a limited time offer because when I signed up here this week, uh, it, I think it said it was normally 
26 or something like that. So uh, I don't know how long that's going on, but definitely check it out. Take advantage of it. Go to msweatherband.org. All right, so we're going to take a short break, and we're going to be right back here with more from Vincent. Don't miss Vintage Stormfront Freaks. This one here, we do, we do have a few dents in the new Suburban, but my truck, I, that, that hood's a trophy. You might as well put two GoPros on there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what it looks like. So I'm like, I'm going to drive this thing into a tornado, and then they all start laughing. Good. You'll, you'll be the only sober one by the end of the night. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, welcome back to the show. We got Vincent Lavina here, the Aurora Man. And I'll tell you what, so that was, it was great information on really what to look for, Vincent, when to look for it, all that good stuff. I want to get into now the photography of all this stuff, because this is right where it gets beautiful and can share this with other people that maybe can't be there or witness this. So um, here's the thing. I, I'm just lay this out here. If a lot of our viewers and listeners know I'm not a big DSLR photo guy. I just, I don't have the patience to really try and figure that out well enough to be good at it. So I just kind of shoot and point sometimes with it. I'm a big iPhone guy. Mm, so yeah. I'm going to start off this whole question with <laughs> how, what, what are the best ways to just use your phone to get the best aurora images or video sure yeah so iphones especially the newer ones can do a really good job um it's very surprising like i take out my phone during an aurora and i'm not expecting anything then i take a photo and it's it's it actually looks pretty good sometimes i'm like why did i spend five thousand dollars on this fancy <laughs> when my iphone probably can do just 90 percent of the work so um but for some tips you know honestly i just uh you know, point it up at the Aurora and then press the little shutter button and it does a pretty good job. But um, on iPhones, uh, you can unlock a 30 second uh, night exposure mode if you just have it on a tripod. So I recommend getting like a little phone tripod and having it on there because you don't want any camera shake. Um, So try and have it on a flat surface or something and you can actually take a photo with a longer shutter speed. So the shutter speed lets in more light uh, the longer it is. And the more light you have, basically the cleaner image you're going to get. Also, for video of the Aurora, newer phones can take video, which is really cool. And to do that, um, you don't want to be in your 4K60 mode, which is what a lot of phones default to. You want to be in your 1080p 30 frames per second mode. So that lower frame rate, uh, the frame rate is just taking you know a photo every X amount of seconds or X fraction of seconds. So 24 frames per second, that's 1 over 24 uh, is your shutter speed. So uh, the lower frame rate actually will help you because you're increasing the amount of light that you can get per photo. So that's what I recommend. Wow. That's I didn't actually even know good you could stuff. do that. Yeah. yeah. You could, you you could do that so on an awesome. iPhone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In settings? Yeah, just, 
Yeah, well, actually, if you just open your camera at the top right, should be a uh, or top right should be a 4K uh, 60 something along those lines, and you can tap the 4K and you can change it to HD, and then if you tap the 60, you can change it to 30. Oh, that's so. awesome! You need, you need to have wow. some classes and charge for this. Yeah, just, I know man, you're making money, <laughs> Vincent. You so, absolutely need to. Um, I had a quick question, a super quick. So to follow up on this topic, so mm -hmm. if you have a DSLR. What are your tips? Yes, if you have an iPhone, those were incredible. But do you have any tips for like a nicer camera? Yeah, definitely. So um, first for gear, it doesn't really matter what camera you have. It's going to work. Um, for lenses, you want to have a wide angle, wide aperture lens. Okay. And aperture is your F number. So like if you see an F slash 2.8 or something, that's your aperture. That's your F number. The lower the number, the wider the opening in the lens is going to be. So 2.8 or lower is what I recommend. And then for settings, you want your aperture as, as wide as you can get it or your F number as low as you can get it. You want your shutter speed um, at a maximum 400 divided by your focal length. So for example, for a 20 millimeter lens, that's 400 divided by 20, that's 20 seconds. That's your maximum because any, uh, any shutter speed that's longer than that is gonna cause the stars to trail. And you don't necessarily want that because the earth is spinning, so the stars actually do move across the sky. You can't see it, but your camera will see it with a long enough shutter speed. And then for your ISO, um, you can basically put that at whatever you want, whatever makes the image look good. Um, so usually for me, that's around 1600 to 6400. And then as the aurora gets really bright um, and really dances a lot, you might want to decrease your shutter speed a little bit. So like, let's say you're at 20 seconds before, you might want to go down to 10 seconds or five seconds because since the aurora is moving really fast, a long shutter speed is actually going to blur out the aurora. And the aurora has a lot of fine structures in it, like little um, sort of like picket fence formations, a lot of times little like, I don't know, like jaggedy features. So a long shutter speed is going to smooth those out. But if you want those to be seen, you want a shorter shutter speed. Okay. Awesome. Vincent, you're so amazing. I feel like we could just ask you anything and you would know the answer to it. Now, I looked on your website and you have a pretty awesome website. It's really, really cool. I recommend everyone going to it, theauroraguy.com. I noticed, though, which is really neat, that you sell NFTs. So with all your beautiful photography, can you like give us a little insight into that? Yeah. So, I mean, NFTs are a little controversial. So um, I... So the story with me and NFTs actually was through Twitter. Somebody contacted me. This was all the way back in 2021, I want to say. Yeah. And they said, hey, I collect NFTs. Do you have any NFTs? And I said, no, I don't even know what an NFT is. So um, I actually minted a few NFTs and mm -hmm. I sold them to this person. Uh, I sold three of three or four of my photos and they actually bought them. I mean, usually they're scams. So I was like, just yeah. kind of surprised that it actually worked out. But um, yeah, I have a few NFTs. I don't really prioritize that as much, but I do plan on getting more into it because, you know, crypto is always ebbing and flowing. Um, seems like, you know, one month crypto is crashing and the next month crypto is like, you know, 200% or something like, you know, increasing. So I don't know. I think NFTs do have a lot of uh, value, especially with digital, um, you know, photos, right? Cause you're not mm -hmm. actually buying the photo you're buying the certificate of, of, of ownership for the photo. That's the NFT. So, um, yeah, I mean, I have a few NFTs, but, uh, I think, I think it's a cool way of, of selling your artwork. I have, I have no gripes with it at all. And I yeah. support people who do it. So, yeah, so, I support so it Vincent, too. I let's, say, 
let's stay on this cash thing for just a second. Okay. So <laughs> like, so what kind of market is there really for pictures like this? And are there many people taking pictures and actually selling them? Like, I mean, so if I'm like, okay, you just gave me some great tips here. How much money can I make doing this? <laughs> Um, not a lot, honestly. <laughs> it's really, I'm really not in for the money. <laughs> I'm still going to school, so it's not funding your PhD. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, my my PhD is my safety net in case this doesn't work out monetarily. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, obviously, there's some money in it. Um, you know, it's just like any photography. You you take photos, and then you know if they're really pretty, people will want to buy them. Um, I've kind of branched out a little bit. So on my website, I do, I do sell like merch and things like merch, things like that, like yeah. coffee mugs and like all these random things, because I mean, it does help, you know, alleviate some of the hours spent on this hobby, which is more of a job at this point. Um, but I mean, in terms of yeah, money, it's just like any other landscape, even like storm chasing photography, right? Um, some of it does go into licensing too. Like if there's a really big event, um, you know, I might take a cool video, let's say of like the watermelon Aurora, for example, um, mm -hmm. that got picked up by a few news, uh, like larger news, uh, broadcasting, uh, agencies, and they were able to pay me for those licenses. So I'd say that's probably the, the actual like main source of money. I also do a couple, uh, workshops a year. I have one in March, um, in Fairbanks. So just like Aurora, like week long Aurora photography workshops, they're a lot of work but they're super rewarding because you're with these people. We have six guests who are coming up for a week in March. Um, so we'll, we're all going to be staying in a house together um, out of Fairbanks and we'll be driving them around uh, doing Aurora chasing and things like that. So I guess with Aurora's, it's kind of interesting because there's the photo, like the pure photography side of things. And there's also the service industry, which is uh, doing the tours and doing these workshops, which I only do a little bit of just because school. So you know, it's really taxing. So I can't, you know, I have to sleep at some point. <laughs> and yeah. That's, that's few and far between. But um, yeah, there's, there's some money in it. But um, yeah, it's, I don't do it for the money, obviously, some people do. And that's totally fine. But it's only a few, I would say, who are really, you know, making a lot and are, are, are able to make a living off of it. Well, I have to give you a shout out, Vincent, because I know everyone's getting their calendars for next year and you sell Aurora calendars with your photography in it. So if you need a calendar, just get one. It sounds like it's going to be a, uh, a perfect Christmas present, I would have to say. I, mean, I would say so too. It. Yeah. Yeah. Like Hanukkah, Christmas, whatever. Just buy yeah. your family, friends, like one of his calendars. Cause I know it's going to be beautiful. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm on the site right now and I'm like the mug. I am digging the mug. I'm right. Like, oh, people people do like the mugs. People do like yes. the mugs. I will have to say. Yeah. yeah. The mugs are really pretty too. Like everything's stunning that you do, Vincent. Like it's yeah. well, incredible. So yeah. don't sell out till I get one. Okay. Just. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Oh, hey, that's the sound. Uh, Vincent, uh, it's time for a lightning round. Okay. This is our game show of flashy and brilliant questions. Very fitting for Aurora. Yeah. Uh, but we always play this with our guest. And, and tonight, uh, we're going to play a little game that we're calling Famous Stars. <laughs> All right, so we're talking about solar storms, and so I figured this uh, this game called Famous Stars would be kind of fitting. 
but it's a different star than what you might be thinking about. Uh, this is uh, basically the top 40 list of leading role box office actors. Okay. <laughs> stars, okay. right? These are right. Hollywood yep. stars, famous stars. So this is a top 40 list. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through and I'm going to give you two uh, of the actors on this list. And you have to tell me which one is higher on the list, which means they've been in more leading roles that have made the most money. Right. So this okay. is basically this is based off of box office dollars. Okay. Yep. Right. So I may have been in one film and you were in 20. <laughs> but, but how much did your 20 films make as a leading actor compared to my one as a leading actor? Right. right? Okay. It's all about okay. the money on this, right? You, you with me there? And the yep. freaks can help you out, and you we don't have to Vincent. listen to them. Uh, but the but but the freaks can help you out. Sound good? Okay. Yep. I All got right. It. So here are the first two actors on the list. We have Will Smith and Johnny Depp. Which of those two is Ooh. higher on the list? That's good one. That's those a good are good. One. I, I feel Johnny. I'm. I was kind of leaning toward Johnny too because he did all the Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean. Yeah. I'm gonna say. Uh, I'm gonna be a contrarian and say Will Smith. Ooh, Vincent, I like you. Go so on what? Own. Like what? 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 Why Will Smith? I don't know. I feel like he's just been in so many movies. Yeah, right? he had Men in Black. Okay, yeah. oh. <laughs> okay, that was a good. I like you, Vincent. You'd like be you. wrong. It it, it was Johnny it Depp. It was that Johnny was a, Depp. that was a good comparable one though. Yeah, right. do you know about how Johnny much? Depp? Because he always <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't write down the the dollar figures. Okay. Will Smith okay. was nineteenth. Johnny Depp was 12th on the list. Oh, okay. Oh, that okay. was close, though. That was pretty okay. comparable. All right, here's a tough one. Leonardo DiCaprio or Brad Pitt? Oh, Ooh. that's tough. This is this is a tough one. I'm going to say Leonardo DiCaprio on this one. I'm with you on that. Titanic is one of the highest grossing films ever, so. Yeah. Then you would nice. be correct. We got that. He was, was like 30 or 5. <laughs> and uh, he was 30. Brad Pitt was 36. Oh, okay. They're okay. further down okay. than expected. All right. His girlfriend so he, was yeah. like 18, right? Ah. <laughs> All right. One? So here, here's the next one uh, Emma Watson or Harrison Ford? Oh, that's a tough Harrison one. Ford. Harrison Emma Ford. Watson. Yeah, Harrison, Harrison Ford. Ford. Yeah. Harrison Ford. Oh, no! Harry, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Yeah. She did uh, Beauty and the Beast. But Harrison uh, was. Um, uh, Harrison the... was. The Star Wars. Wars. He was Star Indiana Wars. Jones. Indiana yeah. Jones. Star Wars, Indiana Jones. That wow. blows how my old? mind. Much, like a lot of cameos. Longer. Yeah, but but how long ago were those films? And and the cameos oh. don't count, right? This is leading oh. role. Oh. This is leading oh. role. Okay, okay. How, you did how old were those films, right? Yeah. Those films were older and, you know, money back then compared to money today. Is it well, is it current? Is it is it is it current? Like yeah, it's, current popularity. Yeah, because Harrison yeah. Ford just did the new oh, uh, Indiana okay. Jones one. Yeah, he did. I mean, yeah, he didn't do that. Old, great. But... It didn't do that great. Are we though. adjusting really? for inflation? No, we're yeah. adjusting. <laughs> this is just flat out dollars. Oh, okay. Flat out dollars. Okay. 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 All right. <laughs> uh, okay. So here we go. We're gonna go with uh, Steve Carell or uh, Tom Hanks. Steve Carell or Tom, Tom Hanks. 
Tom. Tom. Tom Hanks. Yeah, I think Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Tom, Tom was 11. Steve was 31. Oh, Good job. Um, and then <laughs> I think I missed Emma was 16. Harrison Ford was 24. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, next one. We have got uh, Tom Cruise or The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Oh, Tom Cruise. I think Tom Cruise. I'm going to say The Rock. Ooh, yeah, maybe The Rock. I like it. I'm going to go with The Rock. Oh, oh. No, Tom Cruise. He, oh, Mission Impossible. His muscles are bigger. Mission Impossible. Yeah, you got <laughs> Top Gun. But The but Rock has done a lot of. Um, Jumanji. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's done a yeah. lot too, oh. and animated oh. stuff. A lot of yeah. films. But how how much money did they make? How much money did they make? Black Adam didn't know. do so good. Yeah, it didn't do really? as good. I the that one, but he I didn't. Saw I mean, it was good. <laughs> It was okay. Yeah, well, right. It was on the plane. You didn't pay a dollar for it. Yeah. So. No, <laughs> no box office money there for uh, the rock on that one. All right. Uh, we'll do another one here. We're going to go Bruce Willis or Matt Damon. Matt Damon. I'm going to go. I want to say Matt Damon. I want to say. I'm going to say Matt because of the. He's more recent. I'll go yeah. off and say Bruce Willis just to throw. Okay. So Vincent. Is that Bruce Willis? No. Vincent. What's your final? I'm gonna answer? say Damon, 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 Damon. Yeah. Okay, Yay. that's correct. Yeah. What was that? Like 50 Damon was 33. <laughs> Bruce Willis was 38. Okay. Oh, that was close, close. too. Wow. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's do this one. We're gonna go uh, Liam Neeson or Daniel Radcliffe. Oh. Daniel, Daniel Radcliffe. Radcliffe. I feel like Liam Neeson hasn't yeah. been in the movie in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Danny Radcliffe really? was was twenty two. Liam Neeson forty. All right. So so that that's it for the. So here's what I'm going to do because this is what's kind of ridiculous about this whole list. <laughs> um, give me the top. Like I haven't even covered the top five. Right. All right. So I'm going to tell you. Who, I'm going to ask you. Who do you think's in the top five, Vincent? And all you have to think is Marvel. Yeah, I was gonna, I was oh, literally just right. gonna say That's Tom Holland, RJ, um, uh, Robert Downey Jr., um, Tom Evans. Holland, Tom Chris Holland's Chris, not in the top five. Really, Chris Evans? Oh, Chris Evans. Chris Evans. Tom Holland's fourteen. Chris Evans is ten. So oh. far, you got Robert Downey Jr. What about look Hemsworth? At, look in the private Hemsworth. chat. Hemsworth Angela and Garrett eight. are going for it. I like it. Tom oh Hilton? yeah, I see it. Thor Hiddleston. Hiddleston is he's Zendaya? on here. Zendaya. He's, um, he's 35th. Ruffalo? No, Zendaya's and not. No. He's not here. So here's about, the top uh, Black Widow. Here's the top 10, right? Okay. So so I basically didn't cover any of these because it's just all <laughs> Marvel in this whole list. Great. Okay. So the crazy. top 10 included Tom Cruise at number six. Wow. Okay. Outside of that, it's Samuel L. Jackson. Wow. Yeah. Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, Black Widow. Robert Downey Jr. Okay. Zoe yeah. Saldana. Okay. Chris Pratt. Huh. Vin yeah. Diesel. Chris Hemsworth. Bradley Cooper, and Chris Evans. All all okay. in Marvel. Yeah. Movies. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And some of them others as well, but certainly probably what's got them on here is all a lot of the Marvel stuff. That's crazy. Um, and Vin I'm, Diesel, I'll, I'll he was—he don't even see his face. Right. <laughs> <I'm Groot. laughs> 
I'm Groot. And he gets and he gets leading actor credit for that too, which is crazy. <laughs> but you got Tom Holland was 14, Mark Ruffalo 15, uh, Don Cheadle 17, Jeremy Renner 18, Karen Gillian 20, Elizabeth Olsen 21. I mean, it just it's this whole list is like all Marvel. That's but how they're well Marvel's great movies. Done. I've never seen well them, guys. I've never <gasps> seen them. So, You've never seen anyway, a Marvel? Anyway, Vincent, yeah. great job. <laughs> we'll 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 chat you later for for that comment. Uh, I'll sick Michael Binsky on you for that. Okay. Uh, that's because that's not good. But anyway, Vincent, great job. Uh, yeah. Let people know how, again. Where where can they find your website? How can they follow you on social media? Sure. So um, my Instagram is Vincent Ledvina. It's probably where I'm most active. Uh, Twitter or X is Vincent underscore Ledvina. And then if you want to go to my website, it's the AuroraGuy.com. I'm just sort of fleshing that out now. I have a lot of big plans for the website. So um, keep checking because there's new stuff like every couple of weeks. So that's where you can find me. And there, I will say this too. One of the things I really love in this whole industry is anybody that does educational stuff, right? Just to help mm-hmm. other people learn. And you do have some good educational pieces on there as well. And and I think um, I think you keep doing that and promoting that. There's going to be a lot of value to your site. So I, I really appreciate that personally. So keep that up. That's great. Thanks. Quick question: What's what's your dissertation on? Ooh, yeah. So um, I'm actually doing my thesis on auroral beads. Okay. Ooh. Oh, yeah. so I think I, I, had I have a food name for that now. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. The amount of people who smoked some, some of that a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Aurora beads. Yeah. All right. So we're uh, we're gonna go ahead and take off our final break, but don't forget. You can find our Stormfront Freaks merchandise this holiday season exclusively at helicity.co. So Helicity is the dream store of weather stuff for weather geeks, from t-shirts to drink containers. Uh, You can shop our entire Stormfront Freaks catalog of logo merch and hashtag weatherfools t-shirts. And for a limited time, you can get our exclusive 10% discount for the holidays when you enter promo code SFF for Stormfront Freaks. Again, that's SFF. Visit Helicity.co. It's the weather superstore for the freak in you. So, hey, we're coming right back. We're going to be playing a game of WXAI Mad Libs with the freaks. So stay tuned. What's happening? Hey, this is James Spann of ABC 3340 in Birmingham, and you are listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Take a drive under the moon. Let's take a drive under the somber sky. Let's take a drive under the moon. All right, guys. It is time for Weather Fools, one of the classic segments on Stormfront Freaks. And do you know what Weather Fools is? Well, if you don't 
you should, because you should be a listener of our podcast. So what weather fools are, they are people that just do ridiculously stupid things in crazy wild weather that they shouldn't be doing. And we've caught them on camera or other people have caught them on camera. And we're here to show that to you, or it's just kind of crazy wild weather or things. And so I think Phil has three of those to show us today. So let's I see got them. three. I've Who got three. So this, this first one, I'm going to call it's a water slide. You don't want to wow. be on. Oh, that's, that's and, bad. And this was and, some uh, flash flooding uh, yeah. going that's on. That's way flash flooding. Yeah. But you can see people are stuck in those cars and they're just like mm -hmm. bouncing around. Like I think there balls. was a motorcycle at the beginning of that one, wasn't there? Yeah, watch it, it'll it'll play again, and there's I think one of the first things you see is is like, and I think there's a I'm guy like, on the motorcycle. Yeah, oh I mean he was just floating down really fast. By the way, yeah, that's terrifying. It's, it's definitely going downhill this street. So we're there in a street. Is. There oh, he there is. He is. He's treading even... water with his cycle. Oh like God. his cycle's floating. That's kind of weird. And he's holding yeah. on to it for dear life. He's not letting it go. He's like keeping the bike but i forget where this was mj can you scroll that down just a little bit does it say where this was dominican oh republic. the dominican republic oh. okay uh and so this is yeah in town a street and it was just roaring uh flowing water was flowing down there so all right so that that was the first one a water slide you don't want to be on yeah. um the second one is not showing up so I have to give a shout out to Tanya because she said, wouldn't that be a flash flood emergency? Yes, it yeah, would be. Yeah. All right. 100%. Yeah. This next one I'm calling, I'm taking a mulligan. <laughs> and so this is sitting behind his golf cart. Oh. And is just ripping dust. It's like the dust bowl. I mean, that's clearly severe wind gusts. I mean, it has to be. Look at that. And he's just there. He's, he's like waiting even... it out, like he's gonna he's gonna tee it off here in a couple seconds, but he's not. He's like he's gonna be waiting <laughs> this out a little while. He, oh I'm God. surprised he doesn't reach up and try to grab a beer and then like I'm good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't believe he's he eating something. Like he's, <laughs> he's like getting a protein bar. Yeah, he's he's, yeah. he's this is uh he's about to hit off the tent. This he's is kind of at the break. Mouth and whatever he's eating. Ugh. Yeah, so it's microdermabrasion. He's getting, he's getting the whole body, <laughs> whole body microderm. <laughs> All right. The last one I'm going to call autocorrect fail. Uh, and this is in, in MJ just played this actually uh, during our, our uh, little break. Uh, James Spann, you guys all know James, friend of the yeah, show. Yeah. Uh, he had a post on Twitter the other day that he was talking about, he had a video of them lighting up the Christmas tree. I think it might've been in Birmingham. And he was lighting this bad, uh, lighting the tree up, and he had beautiful video. And he's his comment in Twitter was lightning up the tree, or the tree is lightning up, and he's it was spelled lightning. Oh, and he, and I don't if you follow Twitter, you know people give shit to people all the time, right? About are you kidding, yeah. or is it lightning, or is it uh, yeah. lightning? Uh, and and so what's funny is here's a guy who for decades has probably been typing the word lightning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In his posts for decades. And the one time he probably typed lighting, uh, he probably got a stupid autocorrect, you know, the iPhone thinking, oh, I, I'm sure you meant lightning, James. And <laughs> yeah. probably, probably autocorrected that to lightning, but it's, it's artificial intelligence. So, so that was, I, that was yeah. my iPhone is the weather fool out of that one. 
Yeah. No, that's a good one. That was good. And that can, yeah. And that could easily happen to anyone, everyone. Well, those yeah. are great. So if you want to see all of those and more, go to episode 198 show notes on stormfrontfreaks.com. Okay. And now this is a fun one too, because this is a, like an, a segment we call weather AI Mad Libs. And I was just kind of joking about AI, but <laughs> it's the big buzz right now. Everybody's talking about it, but we were trying to play with it and experiment and find ways to use a weather AI for weather Mad Libs and kind of come up with an image and see what it actually comes up with. So I think Phil, you kind of ran these scenarios, right? Uh, a little bit. So here we go. Yeah, so what we're going to do, so we're going to play a little Mad Libs. You guys know Mad Libs, right? You remember yeah, doing this when you yeah. were in school yeah. as kids and all that fun stuff. So we're going to play a short little game of Mad Libs, and then we are going to see how well AI can interpret the Mad Lib that we just created. You guys, how's don't that sound? Make, like, don't don't make AI. <laughs> don't make AI mad at like you. visually, oh, visually man. interpret this. So I here. So here's. I'm just going to go through. I've got uh, four different things to come up with, and Vince and I'm going to start with you. Okay. Um, give me a famous monster. A famous monster. Famous monster. How about a kraken? Ooh, the Ooh. kraken. Oh, yeah. Release the kraken. Nice. All right, that's good. All right, Maz, I need a time period or decade. Uh, Renaissance. God, I don't know. How, how do you spell? You're going to make me spell that? For <laughs> oh, okay, fine. Uh, Come up with something else. Time period, uh, space age. That's a time period, isn't it? Wow. Okay. okay. Well, we'll take it. So. It's Mad Libs. Victorian. Victorian. It's oh, Mad Libs. Yeah. Hard. Now you're doing Victor. Okay, Victorian. I can spell that. I think. <laughs> All right, Victorian. All right, we're gonna go, uh, Jen. I need a type of storm. Oh, uh, a hurricane. Hurricane. We're just yeah. Okay. She gets the easy All right, one. and then Dina. I need a famous landmark. Oh. Um... Um, let's see. What's the one they they hike? Um, why am I drawing a blank? You know, they uh, the top of Mount um, Machu Picchu. Well, that that one will do. Let, no, give <laughs> I'm me like something on that one. Give me something um, like a famous landmark, not one that like five people hike. Let, let's let's um, like a famous no, one that um, people Victorian. are going to go visit. Right? <laughs> let's see. All right, I'll do this one. Like um, the cathedral, the Roman what cathedral? cathedral, the cathedral. <laughs> Where the hell is that? Uh, Rome, <laughs> the Colosseum. Okay. Do that. Colise the Colosseum. Okay. Just pick it. The. All right. The that's a, that's a little bit. That's a okay. Okay. Spell that. Colosseum. I don't know. Yeah, it's up to you. I did it the hard work. God, you guys are killing me. Okay, so, <laughs> so here we go. Um, that was that was hard. So here's the story. Uh, the latest episode of Mysteries Unsolved shares the earliest hurricane photo on record from what experts say is from the Victorian time period. Notice the photo was... I don't even know if they 
to have photos back there. Probably someone drew it or painted it. But yeah, uh, the yeah. photo, notice, was taken from what appears to be the Roman Colosseum. But the real unsolved mystery is that is if it's the Kraken that's in the background. It's a plumber. <laughs> the, re- <laughs> the plumber's Kraken. Ah! No, I don't know. So, uh, so here's what I am going to do. I, I am going to go to. So I'm going to use Dolly, Dolly Two. If you guys have heard of this, and I'm just going to basically type in um, hurricane, uh, hurricane photo during Vic, uh, Victorian period. Um, <laughs> At the Roman, call oh my God, C O L L E S E U M. Sure. Nope. <laughs> it's 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 uh, helping me autocorrect here. That doesn't look right. Yeah. yeah. Colosseum, just one L, maybe. Okay. Sure. Uh, at the Roman Colosseum with a kraken <laughs> in the background. Oh so my that, God. this is what I tell AI. <laughs> and it's going to basically generate a couple photos for us. And we'll see how, how good AI got to telling our little Mad Lib story here. That was that didn't even come out. The Space Age one, see, it was thinking. Okay. It was oh, thinking what? Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. That's so, cool. Wow. Oh, this is it. I Victorian see. photo. That's not bad. Nice That's black and white. Damn good. Yeah. I'm just going to say Grainy that. photo good. of the Coliseum. It looks like maybe a big wave. What yeah. what's this big uh, like Captain America shield here at the up at the top? <laughs> that's your kraken. Uh, that's it's a kraken <laughs> yeah, tentacle or something. Where is the kraken? Is this the kraken? Is this like I an think that's eye? A kraken? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. The, he's not really in the background. All right, next kraken one. Here we go. I like it. Is this the kraken? Oh, t- that's it, that's the tail. That's yeah. the um. Okay. Like the, I don't know what do you call it. The tentacle. It's kind of the in the tentacle. Form. Not in the background, but look at that. Waves are kind of splashing into the Coliseum there. Black and white grainy photo. That's not too bad. Oh, that one's good. Ooh, what is that? Down here. Okay. I seems to have trouble with the cracking a little bit, I think. Yeah. (laughs) And then (laughs) what's this? Is this like it looks like a fence? A big tall fence. Is that supposed to be a wave? I don't know. Or just I don't know. There's the rough seas and everything there too. I don't know. Yeah, the rough seas are good. The clouds, you know, by the Coliseum, yeah. it's still got the black and white green. All right, the last one. Here we go. Oh, oh that's oh, a good kraken. That is good. Sure, lightning in the background, a kraken tentacle in the waves. Good job, Dolly. That's yeah, that's bad. a good one. Yeah. That's, right. really that's a good. keeper. I'm That's impressed by this one. This we'll, is good. We'll have to, uh, yeah, we'll have to share this on our, our social media. Share those photos. So, uh, so yeah, so there we go. WXAI <laughs> Mad Libs. Good job, guys. All right. Well done. Send me a postcard. Drop me a line. You've got mail, baby. Yeah. All right, we do have a little mail in the freak fan box. Uh, this one is from our uh, uh, fellow listener and friend of the show, Fuzzy. Uh, Fuzzy Mickelson came back and said, one of the greatest weather podcasts on YouTube next to Weather Brains. If you've seen the Stormfront Freaks before, go watch them. I promise that you will love them. Thank you. Did you say Phil Mickelson or Fuzzy Fuzzy. Zeller? Who'd you say? 
Fuzzy okay. Mickelson is what uh, what what he goes by. Gotcha. Nice. So, you know, Phil Mickelson. And he said, "Promise that you will love them. Some of us maybe more than others, but yes, you will. Uh, you will probably uh, love us. So, hey, so do us a favor and and just mention us in your next post, and uh, you might see us on the you might see your name on the next Freak Fan Box. You never know. Cool. So, so I think that just about does it for this episode of Stormfront Freaks Live. I appreciate everybody that's been tuning in. Do us a favor, please, if you like the show, uh, hit that follow or subscribe button, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, I mean, whatever you're checking us out on, hit that follow, subscribe button. And uh, all it does, it really helps us get discovered by more people. And if you could also share this episode, if you like this episode with uh, Vincent, uh, just go ahead and and, uh, tag it and share it or copy and paste on your next post that just really helps us out. Uh, if you, if you like what we're doing for you, um, let's go around the horn, kind of find out, uh, freaks, how people can follow you. Dina, I'll start with you down in the corner. I'm lady pilot 70 on Instagram and X. Cool. All right. Jen Watson. I am Jennifer weather on Instagram, on TikTok, and on X. I'm at J Watson underscore WX. All right, then Maz, who I can't tag on Twitter. I always try to tag you with all the other co-hosts, and and you've yeah. blo- somehow you've blocked me or something. I don't know, but I can't tag you. It's nothing personal, buddy. I'm just I get saying. It. I'm, with you. <laughs> I'm on X at Money Storm, the number four and the letter U. Money Storm for you. Very good. And you can typically find me on Twitter. I'm uh, posting on our Stormfront Freak account, so uh, look for at Stormfront Freak. No S. We ran out of uh, ran out of letters <laughs> there. So, uh, special thanks to our guest tonight, Vincent Ledvina. Vincent, thank you so much. You're thank, you. thank you, Vincent. Vincent, you're amazing. That was great. I'll, I'll be honest with you. So we're almost 200 episodes. We've never done an episode on solar storms, right. and uh, yeah, then I think we need to do more of that. You yeah, guys might you be our resident expert. We'll bring you back. Works for me. I'm happy to come back. Cool. All right. So we've got episode 199 coming up next. And, and this is this is going to be a lot of fun. I mean, this is leading right into 200. So we are going to be celebrating the holidays with a movie commentary episode. So we've done a few of our movie commentaries. This one is going to be on Christmas Twister. It's the holiday classic that everybody loves and, and <laughs> follows, right? It is. Is Christmas <laughs> Twister, uh, and we'll have our we'll have our drinking game, our exclusive Stormfront Freaks drinking game. But here's what's going to be great about this episode: we actually have the director of the movie, Peter Sullivan, is going to be joining us. So oh, okay. uh, this this is the first time we've ever had a movie commentary and actually had someone from the movie with us. Uh, to comment on the show. So this is going to be great because think about all the cool things we're going to be able to ask them about special effects and, and all this kind of stuff. Even though it's not a super high-budget film, right, uh, it, there's going to be some cool things that we're going to be able to bring him in and ask him about. And hopefully he'll he'll play the drinking game with us as well. So it'll be enjoyable. So we're going to be sharing uh, sharing all that. We'll be doing it live Thursday, December 21st. So uh Bring the kiddos, bring the family around to watch this. It's going to be at our normal 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Central, but we will be streaming on our Facebook account. So just go to Facebook, search Stormfront Freaks, and that's where you will see uh, see us being able to stream that. 
Uh, we won't be on YouTube, so just a heads up there. The audio podcast will be available then uh, before Christmas. So uh, that should be a lot of fun, and then it's 200. Are there rules with the drinking game again? Never. No. Never. There's never rules. Okay. All right. Yeah, Yeah, we should should be good. So, all right. So (laughs) I'm going to signal the all clear for Jen, Maz, Dina, Vincent, and in the green room we got Dan, Garrett, Angela, and MJ. I'm going to signal the all clear. We'll catch you guys next time. Good night. See ya. Thank you for tuning in to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. You can watch our bi-weekly show live on youtube.com slash stormfrontfreaks and download the audio version on your favorite podcast player. For links to our Patreon team of exclusive benefits, show notes, past shows, new videos, merchandise, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you're there, check out our interactive chaser radar from our friends at zoomradar.com. If you'd like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Search for Stormfront Freaks. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.